and welcome to my podcast. My podcast is about the history of punk. This is the first episode, as you may know, because it says episode one and all that. Um, so this is the general history of the punk movement and punk culture, all that. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be an interview show or not. I would like it to be. I'm not sure if I'm going to get people that can or want to be interviewed here. So right now, it's just a history thing. This is about the story of punk, and like all stories, it has a beginning and influences. So, in this episode, we're going to go over those influences. What is punk, first of all? Before we dive into the influences, we just got to talk about, like, what the definition of punk is, because some of you may not know. And it's also very hard to define. Punk is a movement. It's a style. It's a type of music. It's a type of political ideology. There's like a movement, mainly throughout the 70s in Britain the United States, mainly London and New York. Style, like a lot of all black, leather, studs, whatnot, has evolved over time, as all style does. Um, it's a type of music, obviously. Fast, violent, primitive so at times. I'm not sure if I'd actually... Not sure if I'd call it primitive, but loud, aggressive, often played by amateurs, political ideology, rebellion, anarchy, socialism. Uh, it was started by a, band, a lot of bands like Sex Pistols from London, Ramones from New York, Clash from London, and a lot of other bands. So, there's a lot of them. So, let's talk about the influences now. As I said earlier, anarchism, you know, political philosophy, self-government, anti-government, anti-establishment. This sounds pretty punk. Uh, Non-hierarchical government. Uh, It's basically just anti-authoritarian interpretation of communism. Very far left, obviously. A lot of those things, you know, like a lot of punk things. Um, some other, some other people that really influence this, the Situationists. They're a group of avant-garde artists, intellectuals, political theorists. They supported, like, anti-authoritarian Marxism. Sounds kind of like anarchism, but not quite. Uh, the strategies of revolution were also being inspiration from the Sex Pistols. Uh, 1968, there were huge uprisings in France, mostly and mainly in May. Uh, protests, strikes, occupations of universities they brought the economy of France to basically a virtual halt. And there were French leaders that were fearing civil war revolution. And that really, they really felt threatened by that. And if you're a leader in power, you really don't want someone to be threatening you. Threatening your power. Um, The French president, Charles de Gaulle, or Gaulle, Briefly fled the country for a few hours. Um, another influence, Marxism. Political ideology based around the works of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, who were political theorists who believe in socialism and communism. Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, so definitely a part of the communist movement. Kind of spearheaded it. Um, many Marxist schools of thought. Um, no definitive Marxist theory. There's many different interpret- interpretations of it. The idea of socialism, revolutionary change, that inspired many punks. 
you know, a lot of punk music was like, if we're gonna, we, if we can't just sit there and hope for change, we gotta actually do something about it, um, that really inspired people, and then the whole socialism idea, like, everybody gets what they deserve, and it was definitely inspiration for a lot of bands, especially, like, the clash of the main bands, because they were definitely socialists. Uh, there a lot of writers that were influential to the punk movement, including Charles Dickens and French poet Arthur Rimbaud. Dickens, he was a major influence due to his, like, not always romantic depictions of working-class youth. Like, a lot of just not showing people at their best. Like, talking about how the English government had failed them, how the political system had failed them. Um, and also his working-class politics were really an inspiration. So Rimbaud was a major contributor to symbolism, as I talked about earlier. No, wait, I didn't. I'm sorry. Um, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, he was an inspiration to both Patti Smith and Richard Hell, which were both major figures in the punk movement. We'll cover them later. Patti Smith started writing poetry because she was inspired by Rimbaud and then decided to turn that poetry into music. And that's why we have Patti Smith and punk. She was definitely a big part of the punk movement. Uh, so now we get to talk about the fun stuff. We get to talk about the music. Yay. Let's talk about garage rock. This style of music was originally popular in the 1960s. It was characterized by basic chord structures, often through a fuzz box. Sounds like punk, except for the fuzz box. Uh, garage rock groups were most often made up of amateurs. Like a lot of punk bands that came later, not many of the people that were in punk bands had played instruments before or had been any in any big bands before. I mean, obviously some of them had played instruments before, but like Sid Vicious had never played a bass before deciding, oh, I want to join the Sex Pistols. And, after, and he hadn't played the bass before hearing the Ramones album. And then over summer 1976, he learned how to play the bass and... By playing along to that album. And then he became bassist for Sex Pistols. And very infamous in the punk movement. Um, Back to garage rock. Garage rock groups, they were often made up of amateurs, as I already said. Uh, garage rock was also the first kind of music to be called punk. Categorized as punk. So, that's interesting. Definitely draws a connection. Because people in the 50s and 60s are like, oh, that's punk, because you're punks. Um, In the UK... Not really in the U.S., there was pub rock. Uh, pub rock was very popular in the U.K. during the early to mid-70s. Didn't have mainstream popularity, but there were many pub rock acts, and they were kind of popular among certain groups of people. Uh, it was really like, uh, let's hark back to the 1950s, early 60s, like, original rock. Let's just play that, and it doesn't need to be... You don't need to have like you don't need you don't need to be like a egotistical prog rock star with your like thousand dollar keyboard and glitter stage lights. You don't need to be a glam rock star. You don't need you can be anybody if you want to make music. That was a lot of the pub rock thing, and like you don't need to be this rich person. Uh, it was really a pushback against expensively recorded and produced prog and glam rock again. It was topping the charts at the time. But it wasn't really punk yet, because 
um, the difference between pub rock and punk was that pub rock, it was basically return to early rock, like let's play rock in 50s, 60s style. And punk tried to break free of past musical traditions and culture. They're like, let's make something new, but let's make something else, something that does still like back to basics sort of thing. But it, let's make it new, not the same. Let's make it more politically dangerous. So some specific bands that really were influential to the punk movement were um, The Who, first of all. Their attitude, you know, like kind of bratty, snotty. Um, their violence on and off stage, just fighting, trashing hotel rooms, whatnot. Okay, not trashing hotel rooms, but that wasn't really a punk thing. <laughs> Um, and, uh, kind of their aggressive style of playing their music. They're like, and their instruments. It's like, let's kind of, let's let, let, like, Pete Townsend, like, oh, let's, let's attack this guitar, you know? Um, next off is the Velvet Underground, founded by Lou Reed and John Cale, 1965, in New York. So they were definitely in- experimental art rock. Um, that really kind of there's sound like barely barely keeping it together like almost like almost falling off the railroad tracks that really influenced punk um Lou Reed's been called the godfather of punk because of this cuz he went on solo after the Velvet Underground broke up and produced some stuff by himself as well that kind of influ- that influenced punk um, the Velvet Underground's first album, Velvet Underground and Nico, uh, was the Velvet Underground's manager, Andy Warhol, decided that they needed some something extra to make their album special. And he's like, oh, let's just bring in this German singer named Nico. Lou Reed and the rest of Velvet Underground, most of them were pretty opposed to it, but they eventually agreed. I'm like, okay, reluctantly, that is, and decided that, okay, let's do this. It's okay, I guess we can make an album with her. So they did. It was called Velvet Underground and Nico. They developed Underground, she's Nico. And it was really one of the it was that that album was a huge influence to punks. And the punk movement and punk music, that style of music specifically. And it's one of the one of the most influential albums in punk, as I said. Uh it was yeah, really. It was like almost punk, but not quite. It was like way ahead of its time because it was 1967. Um, Stooges. This is a big one. They were formed in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1967 by Iggy Pop, whose real name was James Osterberg. As a teenager, James Osterberg, he played drums in several bands from the Ann Arbor area. He was definitely involved in music. Uh, and then he decided that, oh, you should just... He should sing in a band, because he was a pretty good singer. So then he joined up with uh, brothers Ron and Scott Ashton, who played guitar and drums. Ron was a guitarist. Scott was a drummer. Uh, the original lineup, they released two albums, The Stooges and Funhouse. Then they released another couple albums in, with a different lineup. Uh, so Iggy, Iggy Pop, not his real name. It was... Uh, I think Iggy was a Iggy was a name given to given to him by some of his former bandmates from another band. 
He got the Pop nickname because he had a friend named Jimmy Pop. He'd lost all his hair. Jimmy convinced Iggy to shave his eyebrows, and then from then on out, he was dubbed Iggy Pop. Uh, so Iggy met the Aston brothers through school. Uh, Ron Ashton was a year younger than him in uh, in school, and Iggy Pop described Ron Ashton as a year ahead of him in delinquency. So Ron Ashton was often up to no good. Um, I guess, so his mom would drop him off at school, and then he'd, <laughs> his mom would drop him off at school, he'd walk into school to please his mom, and then walk out the back end, back end, and then go hang out with some beatniks, um, and from the, from the university, which was near the high school, um, beatniks were kind of precursors to punk, that whole culture, um, yeah, uh, and then Iggy decided that they should form a band when he saw Ron playing in a cover band. He was like, oh, this guy's actually a pretty good guitarist. And after a while, they decided to start a band. Scott Ashton, off, like he kept begging Iggy to teach him how to play drums because Iggy knew how to play drums. And eventually, Iggy did. And then they formed a band. The Stooges were definitely a major, major influence to punks. Because their sound and image, like Iggy would often uh, bloody himself on stage, like roll in glass, uh, vomit on command, do a lot of other stuff like that. Um, and then the sound, it's really, if you just listen to it, it's like early punk, it is early punk. And it's basically like punk five, six years ahead of its time. Uh, sound, also just the whole barely keeping it together uh, kind of high distortion, kind of simple also, just really simple. Like punk was as a whole, like really simple. Um, there were other bands too, but I'll talk about them later in the next episode. Thank you for listening to No Future, The History of Punk.